Today we're in James chapter 5. James is found near the end of the New Testament. James, the author, was the younger brother of Jesus. And we've been working our way from chapter 1, verse 1. Now we're in chapter 5. And next Sunday, we'll conclude our series of messages, our journey through James. Some of y'all have been here for every message through James, and we've touched on every single verse. And next week, we'll bring this journey to a close. We've called this Everyday Faith. Because James just touches on all kind of topics that deal with everyday living for Jesus. And today he talks about learning patience. Doesn't sound very glamorous, but yet a lot of folks uh, standing in this room, some of you all need to learn some patience. <laughs> and you're saying, well, Pastor, you need to learn it too, and I do. <laughs> so what does the Bible say about learning patience? Uh, let me invite you to take your listening guide. If you printed that and brought it with you, remember we make these available every Friday afternoon. We upload them to fbcborough.church. You can download yours, print yours, or their, and take some notes. But let me ask you to please keep your Bible open, because once we've read through these verses, we're not going to just depart from them. We're going to go back to them and take them one at a time and see what the Lord would teach us. So keep your Bible open. I'm reading from the translation called the New King James Version. If you have a different translation, that's fine. It, it all followed the same pattern. But that's the version that I'm reading from today. Starting in verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no lest you fall into judgment. Learning patience as you walk with Jesus and get to know him better, how to learn and live with patience. I came across a few lighthearted, uh, somewhat funny quotes about patience. I wanted to share them with you. Uh, the first one you see on the screen, the person said, I wish I was as thin as my patience. <laughs> Maybe that's a wish you have because sometimes we got pretty thin patience. You know, you have heard the old phrase, I got the one nerve and you're standing on it. <laughs> thin is my patience. The second one, during this age of uh, testing and COVID, says, I had my patience tested and I was negative. <laughs> Some of y'all, if, if, if there were such a test, <laughs> it probably would come up negative. But my favorite one is this last one where a person says, Lord, give me patience because if you give me strength, I'm going to need bell money to go along with it. Now, some of y'all know exactly how that feels. That, Lord, if something doesn't give, somebody's not going to live. <laughs> and we laugh about that because we've all run out of patience and people have irritated us before and you wonder what else is there to do. But So is patience or the lack of patience really that big a deal? Isn't that just the way we're made? Every now and then we lose our patience. We don't live with patience. What's the big deal about living with patience? According to James, it was a bigger deal than you may realize. 
Here's the main thing to know from what I want us to look at in these uh, five or six verses. A lack of patience is really a lack of faith. What the scriptures are teaching us, that when you get on your last nerve and you've run out of your knowing what to do, when you don't have patience, the Bible says you're not living by faith. It is serious because patience or living and learning patience, that isn't just a relational coping mechanism. Patience isn't just an emotional response. Patience is a spiritual issue. And if we're not living with patience, the Scripture says we're not living by faith. A lack of patience is really a lack of faith. And so it's important for me to learn how to live with patience, and it is important for you if you want to honor the Lord Jesus and obey what the Scripture teaches us. In these verses, James uses two words almost interchangeably, but, but there is a distinction. The two words are patience and perseverance. And, and there's a difference. The word used for patience, you see that in verse 7 and 8 and also in verse 10. That, that means uh, suffering a long time through something. The biblical word you see sometimes is long-suffering. And, and then in verse 11, he uses the word perseverance, a sense of endurance. It's the same word he used in chapter 1, verse 3, when he said, know that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. And the word perseverance means, means to, to, to remain under something, like you've got a heavy weight un, over you, and you remain under that. And, but, and James blurs these two together to talk about patience and perseverance. Now, if you were to distinguish the two, the simple way to do it, but don't, don't overdo it, is to think of patience is your response to people. That when people aggravate you or they act out or wrongly, you have patience toward people. Perseverance is your response to circumstances. You persevere through circumstances. You're patient with people, and you persevere in circumstances. But these two ideas bleed together, and James really is talking about a patient perseverance, <laughs> and that these two are wrapped together if you learn patience, this sense of persevering and having patience together. He makes three big applications in these six verses or so about how to be patient and why we should be patient. Uh, the first thing he says is be patient with God's timing. In your life, in your journey through life, God's timetable often doesn't match yours. Isn't that right? The, my timetable often does not match God's timetable. Usually I want something quicker <laughs> and I want something different. But God works in a whole different timetable. So James is telling us, be patient with God's timing. He moves at his own timing. He uses, moves at his own pace. He knows things we do not know. He moves in ways we cannot fully understand. So while you're waiting on God's timing, live with this patient perseverance. Wait on God. He uses two illustrations here in these scriptures. The first illustration is about waiting for the coming of the Lord. Notice verse 7. Please, got your Bible open still? Verse 7 says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The Lord's not here yet. The Lord, He promised that He would come again. We see that over and over again. And, and we as Christians are very expectant. We're waiting. We just don't know when. 
And so until the coming of the Lord, he says, be patient while you're waiting on the coming of the Lord. Notice in verse 8, he says, be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now what does that mean in verse 8, when the coming of the, the return of Jesus is at hand? Many times people think it means, well, it means it's going to happen in our lifetime. And there's been many a preacher who stood up in a pulpit and said, I believe Jesus has come back in our lifetime. Well, how do you know that? James said it's happening at hand, not necessarily your lifetime or my lifetime. Jesus himself didn't know when he was going to come again. So what does verse 8 mean when it says the coming of Jesus is at hand? Well, simply explained, it means the very next big thing God's going to do is for Jesus to come back to earth. See, God's been working since the beginning of time. There was creation. And then there was uh, the fall of men and women into sin. And, and the Garden of Eden and, and the world became broken. And then there was the great flood. And then there was the, the time of the prophets and the time of the kings. And, and then there was the time of the incarnation of Jesus. And then there was the, the apostles, the apostolic age. And then there was the birth of the early church. And so all these things have happened. And the very next thing to happen... Thank you for that amen. <laughs> the very next thing to happen is the coming of Jesus. Nothing else is going to happen. The next big thing God's going to do is the coming of Jesus. He's not going to send another prophet. He's not going to send a bunch of angels. Next thing he's going to do is the coming of Jesus. And so that's why James says it is at hand. It might be 10 years from now. It might be 1,000 years from now. But we're waiting. Everything else has happened since the history of time, and the last thing we're waiting on is the return of Jesus. That's why we call these the last days, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. We don't know when, so we must be patient. Back to the Scriptures here. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. A second illustration about waiting on God's timing is with a farmer. I know our church has a lot of farming families. Every church I've ever served since I was a 19-year-old first-time pastor has had farming families. One thing I've learned about farmers is you have to wait for the crop to grow and be ready. James says in verse 7, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rains. Nothing's worse than an impatient farmer. How many farmers have you seen go out to the edge of the field? I wish that cotton would grow a whole lot faster. <laughs> a farmer plants the seed and waits. Now, I know there's things they do with irrigation and fertilizing and taking care of stuff. I know they don't just sit in the living room and drink coffee for four or five months. <laughs> but a farmer plants the seed, and then he has to wait. And what James is telling us, just as you're waiting for the coming of the Lord, and just as you're waiting like a farmer, sometimes God will make you wait. He won't give it right then. He makes you wait, so be patient with God's timing. He moves in a different timetable than you and I. So in verse 8, he says, establish your hearts. Be patient, he says, establish your heart. It's difficult to wait on God, isn't it? Can we admit that? Isn't it difficult for you to wait for God to answer a prayer you've been praying for for weeks and weeks and months, if not years? When you or a loved one's going through a long illness and it's taking its toll, isn't it difficult to wait 
for God to bring healing. If you've been praying for a lost family member or you've been praying for a lost friend, isn't it difficult to wait? That's why verse, uh, uh, James tells us here in verse 8, establish your hearts. It's difficult to wait. Another reference is Psalm 37, 7, where the psalmist said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's not, it's not going to be easy to wait. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait at traffic lights. We put something in the microwave in 60 seconds. We're wondering, why does it take so long? We don't like to wait. So rest in the Lord. If there's something in your life for which God is making you wait, rest in the Lord. Be patient with God's timing. Can you identify something in your life for which God is making you wait? Are you in a season of waiting right now? If so, it's difficult, isn't it? You're waiting for this answer. You're waiting for that to change. You're waiting for this, and you're trying to be faithful. You're trying to honor the Lord, but this waiting is difficult. And for some of you, it may be one of the most difficult things you ever do is to wait on the Lord. In his delightful book entitled Authentic Faith, Gary Thomas said, the excruciating exercise of waiting marks the essence of the Christian life. God's blessings do not always come with the speed of a bullet, but rather with the slow, steady approach of a glacier. Wait. Learning patience means you must be patient with God's timing when he asks that you wait. A second big application from these verses is to be patient with God's people. We not only are to be patient with God's timing, but then patient with God's people. Because some of God's people are hard to get along with. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You can say it. We know it's all true. <laughs> Notice verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In this conversation of patience, he reminds them that you also need to be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't grumble against them. Learning to live and love others can be difficult, but it's nothing new. Learning to love fellow believers is as old as the New Testament. Remember, the disciples got sideways with one another. Peter and Paul got sideways with one another. And James is telling the Christians of the first century Y'all be careful. Don't grumble and groan. It's nothing new. If, so if you ever find yourself in a conflict or a disagree, disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ, welcome to the club. It's not new. Some people are easier to love than others. Just make sure you're never the one that's hard to love. <laughs> Some people, though, they just rub you the wrong way. Now, their spiritual gift is irritation. I mean, they just irritate you. They rub you wrong. They just get under your skin. James says, be patient. Do not grumble against your brethren. The word grumble there in verse 9 literally means to groan. Don't groan and moan. And we do that today. We, somebody says, well, did you, did you hear that uh, so-and-so is going to be in your Sunday school class? Oh, no. We just groan. Oh, no. What well, did you hear that you got to go see such a... Oh, we groan. We groan. James says, don't do that. Don't be at odds. Be patient with one another. The Apostle Paul really digs down to that concept even more, particularly when he writes to the Ephesians and the Philippians. He uses the word forbearance. Now, we don't use that word very much, 
But translated means it, it's, it's the putting up with somebody. <laughs> you just got to put up with people. If forbearance, you, you forbear with them or you, you suffer long with them. And that's the essence of patience. Suffering long in the Bible is translated long suffering. Some people just know the buttons to push, don't they? And some people just rub you the wrong way. I mean, they're sour saints. They're curmudgeonly Christians. They're bad-tempered Baptists. And you just assume not to sit with them, have dinner with them, because they're always stirring the pot. Well, some people you just have to show forbearance to. Saw long-suffering. Max Licato, in his book entitled Outlive Your Life, said, rather than see people as problems... Christ saw them as opportunities. <laughs> opportunities. Some of y'all got some opportunities in life, don't you? This Thanksgiving, when everybody comes to your house, you're going to have some opportunities, aren't you? <laughs> you know, that cousin of yours, that sister of yours, that uncle of yours, he's an opportunity. <laughs> but instead of seeing people as problems, adversaries, we're the body of Christ. And we're patient with God's timing, and we're to be patient with God's people. And the third big application James makes in verses 10 and following is to be patient with God's purposes. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So let God do what God wants to do. Don't get in the way. Don't push back against Him. Let God do. Let Him accomplish His purpose in your life and mine. James uses the example in verse 10 of the prophets. They went through the suffering and patience, he says. They endured. But God had a plan. God had a purpose for the prophets. Even though some of them were chased, they were hunted, they were imprisoned, they were hated and despised, God had a purpose for all of that. And so he has a purpose for you. Then verse 11, he talks about Job, the perseverance of Job, and that God had a purpose for Job. See, God has an end game in mind. Notice in verse 11, he says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job, and you've seen the end intended by the Lord. Now, if you like to mark in your Bible, you ought to circle that word end there, because that's very significant, what James is telling us, that God, he's got an end game. He's got an end plan to it. He has an exit strategy. He's not making this up as it goes. God has a plan. He has a scheme. He has a purpose. He understands the end to which he's bringing you. You may not understand God's plan. You may not understand His purposes. But the Almighty, the Almighty God created the universe is not just randomly throwing things your way. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's orchestrating the events of your life. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good for those that love God and call according to His purpose. God is working all the events of our life. Your life is not a, a long string of random, meaningless events. God is directing your life for His grand and great and glorious purpose. The Apostle Paul talked about that in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, He works all things according to the counsel of His will. All things work for the counsel of His will. And then in Job 42, 2, Job himself says, Lord... You can do everything, and we know that no purpose of yours will be withheld from you. That God is going to accomplish His plan and His way according to His time for His glory. So be patient with God's purposes in your life. 
You may not see it, but like we sang this morning with Waymaker, even if I don't see it, he's working. Even if I can't feel it, he's working. He never gives up. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. God is working in ways you may not see. He's working in ways you may not fully understand. Be patient with God's purposes. And when James in verse uh, 9, verse 11, talks about the perseverance of Job toward the end intended by the Lord, another Bible story has that same phrase in a different context. The story is Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. The reference is John 19.30. Jesus has been hanging on the cross for six hours. And he's been beaten and battered and he's bloodied. And he speaks seven times as he's hanging on the cross over that period of six hours. And one of the last times Jesus speaks, he cries out, understanding what's happening. Jesus, as he died on the cross, was bearing the wrath of God so that you and I, by his grace, could find freedom and peace. Jesus became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus traded places with us. And Jesus endured the wrath of God and stood as our substitute, paying the price not for his sin, but for my sin, offering salvation. If you'll confess your sins and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, he'll give you a new heart and a new life and a new beginning. But in that moment, as Jesus hung on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth and life and death, as he was bearing the wrath and judgment of God, becoming sin for you and me, Jesus cried out and said, It is finished! It is finished. Now, was Jesus just saying in John 19, 30, his life is about to be over? No, Jesus was saying God's plan of saving humankind, trading places with sin and righteousness, bearing the wrath of God, all that needed to be done for you and for me to be saved, it is done, finished. And then James writes this little letter. In chapter 5, verse 11, he says, don't forget the end that God intended. And the same word which translates Jesus on the cross saying it is finished is the same word translated in verse 11 when James says the end which God intended. God's got an end game for you. He's not rolling the dice saying, well, today I want you to do this. <laughs> He's got a plan. He has a purpose. Be patient with God's purposes. A couple little applications from these verses. When you think about God's plan for your life and my life, we know from the prophets in verse 10 that God's plan will often involve suffering. Just read the Bible. You can't miss the fact that God's people often go through suffering. Some of y'all are going through suffering right now. Pain and heartache. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a troubled marriage or divorce. Maybe it's a long illness. Maybe it's a lost job. Pain and hurt and heartache often are woven into the tapestry of your life because God's got a purpose beyond what you could ever possibly even see. I would never make light of any pain in your life for a moment. In my years here, I've seen lots of families go through a lot of difficulties. 
but, but as your pastor, I want to preach the truth to you out of love and kindness that, that God, who you're banking for your time of salvation, God is the almighty sovereign God, which means there is nothing, nothing, nothing that ever happens in my life or that ever happens in your life that God has not allowed to happen. That's a deep mystery and that's a difficult truth. Are you saying, Pastor, this pain I'm going through, God has allowed it, he knew, he knew it was gonna happen and he allowed it to happen? Yes, that's what I'm saying. But God is not mean-spirited and narrow-minded. James even says he's compassionate and merciful. But God allows pain and suffering because he's got a purpose beyond our pain. He's got a purpose forged through our suffering. So be patient. God knows what you're going through. God understands the pain. He knows the difficult trail you're walking. And like the prophets in verse 10 who had to endure suffering, God may ask you to endure suffering because his purposes are forged through it. So be patient with God's plan. It often involves suffering. Another lesson James teaches us is that God's plan requires perseverance. Walking the way the Lord wants you to walk is not the easy way, it's not the convenient way, it's not the quick way, it's the tough way. and requires perseverance. He even talks about the perseverance of Job. And the word perseverance, translated there in verse 11, means to, 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 to remain under something, like a weight. You remain under, you don't shed it, you don't shred the weight, you, you, you remain under it. One image is like a backpacker with a heavy backpack walking up a mountain pass. He just keeps on walking. He doesn't sit down and take his backpack off. That's not patience. That's not endurance. But he straps on the backpack and he keeps on walking one step after another. He's persevering. And that may be what God is asking you to do. Another illustration is like a weightlifter. And uh, where they pick up that weight and hold it over their head. How difficult that is, but they've got to hold it. And I was reading just this week about the Olympic weightlifters, making sure I understood it correctly. And, and uh, imagine for just a moment, and this may be the most fun part of your day today, imagine that I am an Olympic weightlifter. All right? <laughs> Can you imagine that? All right. Thank you for not laughing at that. And I reach down, I put the chalk on my hands, you know, yeah, they do, and, and then uh, they grab hold, grab, my mama taught me to say grab a hold. You know what that means? You grab a hold of that bar. <laughs> And then, and then they, they, pick, they start to pick it up, and, and, and the weight is so heavy, it bends the bar. Have you noticed that? And then uh, and they're all wearing an outfit that's two sizes too small. <laughs> and they, they pick up, and they, they first put it up on the chest, and then, they, uh, then they, they kind of go up, and they raise it above their heads. I've never lifted much weight, but I've watched lots of weightlifting. And they hold it above their head, and I always thought that you, hold, you, that you had to hold it above your head for a certain amount of time. But no, that's not the Olympic rules. If I understand it correctly, those Olympic athletes who have been training for this moment their entire life, they, with all their might, lift that heaviest weight they've ever held, and their, their veins are popping out of their arms and their neck, their eyeballs, you know, every now and then an eyeball will pop out, and, you know, they're, they're holding that weight, and, and they have to hold it until two of the three judges give them a green light. Usually it's only a couple seconds. But they have to hold that heavy weight. For some of them, it's the heaviest weight they've ever lifted. And they have to sit there and wait 
for the judges to say, that's long enough. Some of y'all been carrying a weight. Pain and hurt, suffering, sadness. And you're waiting. How long, Lord, have I got to carry this? How long have I got to endure this? And God's saying, wait. You think you've held it long enough. You think you can't go anymore. But God's making you hold it and carry it. Not because he's mean-spirited, but because he is, verse 11 says, compassionate and merciful. And that's the other lesson. God's plan calls for simple trust. As you carry the heavy weight of burden, God is not trying to see just how much he can make you sweat. James says he's compassionate. You see that in verse 11? He's compassionate and he's merciful. Trust him. When you walk through the dark valley of the shadow of death, trust him. He's compassionate and merciful. When the sea is raging and the wind is blowing, trust him. He is compassionate and merciful. When you're climbing a high mountain, when you're going through the darkness of night, whatever the pain and suffering is in your life, trust him. James says he is compassionate and merciful. That's why in verse 12 he talks about making oaths. I mean, don't make promises you can't keep. Just trust in God today. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Live today with your trust and reliance upon God. Is that what you need to do today as well? Let me finish by asking these three personal questions that every one of us needs to ask and answer as we consider the truth that the Lord has taught us here today. Number one, how is God asking me to wait? Has God ever asked you to wait? Are you in a season right now where you're waiting on God and it makes no sense? You're ready, but for some reason God's not ready. How is God asking you to wait? And will you be patient? And will you rely upon him while you wait? Question number two, am I living with love and grace toward others? <laughs> There'll never be a time when fellow believers don't irritate you. <laughs> but choose today that you're going to follow Jesus and live with patience and express love and grace to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is there a particular person? I bet you there is. A particular person that you need to show love and grace to, forbearance toward. Third question, do I really trust God for what I'm facing today? Sometimes we say, well, if such and such ever happens to me, I'm going to trust God. If, if this happens over here, I'm going to trust God. I'm talking about today. What's going on in your life today where you need that simple trust? Lord, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm carrying this weight. I, don't, I can't understand your plans and purposes. But, Lord, I choose today that I'm going to trust in you. That's learning patience. You're patient with God's timing, you're patient with God's people, and you're patient with God's purposes, even when they don't make sense. Are you ready to learn and live with patience? In just a moment, we're going to sing our final song. It's a commitment song, but instead of asking people to walk down the aisle, we're asking you to send me an email. My email address is john at fbc-statesboro.org. 
It, uh, nobody filters that. Nobody screens it. It comes straight to me. W would you send me a response saying, this is what the Lord has taught me about learning and living with patience? Or you'll notice in the back of the pews, those teal cards, our connect cards, which enable us to connect with you. If you scan that QR code, it'll take you to a simple form. You can click a button that says, I want information about the commitment of membership or baptism or I'd like to meet with one of our staff ministers. Or there's a place you can write in your own comments. Would you use that form to let us know? If you're watching online, you'll find that same form at fbcborough.church. And tell us what God has taught you. How, will you, how, how might your family relationships be different if you lived with this biblical teaching of patience? Would that make a difference with your parents, with your spouse, with your children, if you lived with patience? Would it make a difference in your work environment with, your, with that crazy neighbor that always is aggravating you? Would it make a difference in your office or on the campus where you attend? And how might living with patience make a difference in your relationship with God? learning to trust and rely upon him instead of fixing it all by yourself. May you respond today as God has taught you and led you now. Let's pray. Fathers, we sing this final song. Help us to sing it with joy and with a yielded spirit unto you. Help us to learn patience and trust and rely upon you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.